We now take you into a service already in progress where Pastor Ashish exhorts the congregation and leads them in making the declaration. And right after this is a life-changing message for you. Say this out loud, bold and strong. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated, please. We've been journeying along, talking about the glory of God and how God really desires to see a people who will manifest His glory on the earth. When we talk about the glory of God, we are talking about expressing who God is and what He does. God has called us to be a people who will show forth His glory, manifest who He is and what He does. And in order to be that people who will manifest the glory of God, we said it's important for us to be a people of purity. So we talked about that. We talked about offering our bodies a living sacrifice. And the next part of this whole journey into being a people who will manifest the glory of God is that we must be a people who know and who walk in our God-given authority, our spiritual authority. And so we began talking about that last Sunday. Pastor Stephen uh, introduced that subject to us and got us going on that. And I want to build on that a little bit more. And we're going to stay on this theme for a couple of Sundays as we talk about our spiritual authority, our authority as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to address why we need to know our authority and why we need to exercise and learn how to exercise authority. Why? You know, why don't we just leave this for all the preachers who preach in big crusades, you know? Why trouble the average believer and talk about our spiritual authority? What's the importance of it? Let's go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We look at some familiar verses there. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Luke 10, 17 through 20. says here, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Just to comment on verse 20 there, Jesus is saying, you know, 
The fact is the demons on the earth are subject to you but there is this greater source of joy that you are in a relationship with God. And that's the ultimate. The fact that you are in a relationship with God, you have your name written in heaven, that's got to be the source of your joy. That's what you celebrate all the time. But now let's focus in on verse 19. He said, "Behold, I give you the authority The Lord Jesus has given every believer authority. Amen. What does it mean? It means that you and I are now responsible to exercise that authority. That authority has been given to you and me. Amen. I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and of course he's not referring to these actual uh creeping things, but he's referring to demonic powers. Serpents and scorpions are referring to these powers of darkness, evil spirits. And he's saying, I'm giving you the authority to trample on them, to have mastery over them. And over all of the power of the enemy. I'm giving you authority over everything that the devil could ever do. Over all of the power of the enemy. And nothing will by any means hurt you. Amen. said so nothing will by any means hurt you as long as we're afraid pastor if you start teaching us about authority and we go start casting out devils and devil come chasing after us what do i do now listen he said nothing will by any means hurt you have that confidence jesus said it nothing will by any means hurt you so why are you afraid fear is what opens the door So if you're afraid it opens the door you're afraid of retaliation from the enemy you're afraid you upset the devil and he attacks you back I mean listen Jesus said nothing will by any means hurt you That's it Be confident the devil you cannot hurt me because Jesus said nothing will by any means hurt me But you say but the devil's been troubling me and doing and listen it's because of fear if your fear opens the enemy, door to the enemy I'm not saying he will not come against us or trouble us but he will not be able to hurt you he may have come against you but not hurt you so get rid of that fear of being hurt by the enemy Amen So this morning let's talk about you know why do we need to learn about our spiritual authority on the earth and and learn how to exercise it and actually begin to move in it and grow in that realm of 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 spiritual authority why do we need to do this there are four important reasons that I wanted to share with us this morning number 1 is this the reason you and I must know our authority and learn to exercise our authority uh, uh, and walk in it is for our own for our own personal lives for us to live victorious christian lives in james chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 let's go over to james chapter 4 verses 1 through 7 james chapter 4 james is writing to believers now james was the half brother of our lord jesus christ so the lord jesus had half brothers and sisters James was one of them James was the bishop of the church in Jerusalem was not Peter Peter was the initial leader 
But later on, James was in charge of the church in Jerusalem. You find in Acts 15 that it's James who uh, makes the final decision of the council that was held in Jerusalem. James is the one who gives the final verdict. And so James is actually the bishop of the church in Jerusalem, the main leader. And he is writing to the Jewish believers. He's writing, he begins his letter by saying to the 12 tribes scattered across uh, uh, all places. So uh, these are Jewish believers who have been scattered out of Jerusalem. They've gone, they've been dispersed. And James is writing. So this is the bishop of the Jerusalem church. You pay attention to his letter. He's writing to believers. And here's what he says in James 4. 1 through 7, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Verse 4. What a nice way to address believers. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. He's addressing believers. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Meaning, the Holy Spirit is very jealous about you. He dwells in you. He's very jealous about you. He wants you for himself. Verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, therefore. Whenever you see therefore, you have to ask, What it is there for. So therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from. So why is it there for? Because of what he said in the previous six verses. What does he say in the previous six verses? He is talking to believers and he's saying, believers, you know, you're really living defeated lives. You're fighting amongst yourselves. You ask and you don't receive because you're asking for the wrong things. You are a trapped in the world. He calls them adulterers and adulteresses. You know, just trapped in the ways of the world. Become friends. You compromise with the world. You become friends with the world. Basically, you're not living the way you're supposed to live as a believer. So in order to change that, therefore, here's what you need to do. Submit to God. Resist the devil. So why must I learn about my spiritual authority? For me to live a victorious life. So that I can win the battle that's warring in my own members. That I can win the battle that I face living in this world. When the world is trying to pull me in. That all these things. Instead of living a defeated Christian life. I can live a victorious life. But in order to do that I must learn to submit to God and resist the devil. Amen. Because the devil tempts us. He comes against us with all kinds of seducing works. And we must know how to resist the enemy. Not just stand there and be taken captive. And that's why you and I must learn about our spiritual authority. On how to resist the devil. Amen. Next Sunday we'll talk a little bit more on how to do this. 
as we develop on this theme. But let me mention this here. In verse 7 he says, submit to God, resist the devil. It gives us this understanding that my authority on the earth is in direct proportion to my submission to God. Amen? When he reigns in me, he is able to reign through me. To the extent that he has dominion in me, to that extent he will manifest dominion through me. I must first submit to God, then resist the devil. So here's the first reason why I must know about my authority and learn to walk in it and learn to exercise authority in order to live a victorious life and not be trapped with the things of this world, the temptations, the, the things that the devil would invite me into. I need to know about my authority so that I could walk in victory and live a victorious life. The second reason why, as believers, we must learn about our authority is so that we can dominate those disturbances and those things that the devil does. The demonic disturbances and disruptions that the enemy brings into our world. Why must I learn about my spiritual authority? Why do you need to know about your authority and learn how to walk in it and exercise it so that you can dominate those demonic disturbances and disruptions that the enemy will try to bring into your life? Just because you're a believer doesn't mean Satan says, okay, I won't touch him or her. He's going to come, Jesus said. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So the devil's out there. His whole agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to take away what God wants you to have. God wants you to have joy and peace and triumph. And he wants to steal it. Meaning take away what is not his. He wants to kill it. He wants to destroy everything God wants you to have. The devil wants to destroy it. Now here's the problem. We well-meaning Christians allow the devil to come in and steal and kill and destroy. And he does all this. And then we say, the Lord gave, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Listen. Don't give credit to God for what the devil does. God never wants it. So the devil is stealing and killing and destroying Wrecking havoc in the lives of believers. And the believers turn around and blame God for it. Tell me, is it fair? God is doing this to me. God must be sitting in heaven and saying, I wonder what I need to do with those guys there, you know. It's the enemy who steals, kills, and destroys. And we are wrong when we turn back to God and say, God, you did it. It's wrong. How dare we accuse God for something the devil did or devil is doing. So what must we do? Well, just think about it in the natural. Imagine you're sitting in your house, 10 o'clock in the evening. Or maybe a little later at night, I don't know. And here's a thief trying to break in. Do you sit there, watch the thief break in, take your stuff? You go out and you say, God, this is your will. Do you do that? No matter how nice a Christian you are, if you see a thief trying to break in, man, you're going to find something to throw at him. 
You're going to shout. You're going to make some noise. You're going to do something about it. You're going to try to protect yourself. You're going to try to protect your possessions. And you might even call the police. Am I right? Now why is it that we behave differently when it comes to the realm of the spirit? There is a thief, the devil, Jesus said. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. And here we are, believers, we remain passive. We don't exercise the authority God's given to us. We let the devil do whatever he wants. And then we come on Sunday morning and say, God, you did it this week, God, again. We blame God for everything the devil's been doing. But that's got to change. Amen? We need to know. Jesus said, I give you authority. Meaning now it's up to you to exercise it. I'm not against policemen. But sometimes you see this is really funny. You're going down the street. You see some people quarreling there. The policeman's right here. He just turns around. He just pretends that nothing. He saw nothing. Doesn't do anything about it. But he's been given authority to do something. The same thing is true for you and me. Jesus said, I give you authority. Authority has been given to you and me as believers. We must do something with the authority he's given to you and me. The devil's going to come to steal, kill and destroy from your life. Say, but I don't think the devil's interested in my education. I think he does. So why? For two reasons. One, before he fell, he was an archangel. Ezekiel 28 says he was full of wisdom. So he has a vested interest in wherever there's an expression of wisdom. So I don't think the devil's interested in my business. I think he does for two reasons. One, why? Exodus 28 says the devil was in charge of the trading that took place on the world before he fell. And so today as a fallen angel, he's still interested in all the trading that happens on the world. He's still interested in all the business that goes on in the world. And that's why he would want to come to, uh, to affect your business, affect your profession, your career. He has interest. The second reason why he would be interested in all these things, whether it's art or music or your career, your profession, your education, or whatever things that concern you, is because he wants, he wants to deprive you of God's highest and God's best. And he wants to try and limit you, try to keep you from achieving what God wants you to achieve and to diminish your impact and influence on this world because he knows that you're destined to be salt and light on the earth. He knows you're being destined to be mighty upon the earth. He knows that if you rise up into the fullness of your calling and your potential, you can do tremendous damage to his kingdom. So he has an interest in everything that concerns your life. But the good news is God in heaven also has an interest in everything that concerns you. And God's for you. And he's the one who gave you authority. He said, I give you authority. Use it. So we need to know about our authority over the devils and demon powers. And we must also know that we have authority over circumstances and over situations we face. Because not every circumstance, not every situation, not everything that's going on in your world is of God. And we must know how to rise up with the authority God has given to us and dominate it. Amen. Look for instance in the, in the 8th chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 8. 
Again, all these things are very familiar to us. Luke chapter 8, we'll read verses 22 to 25. It says, Now it happened on a certain day that he, that is the Lord Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. So he had a mission, an assignment, something to do. We got to cross over to the other side. And they launched out. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake. And they were filling the water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So think about this. This is Jesus and his team. They're going in this boat, and Jesus says, Hey guys, let's head over to the other side. And as they're going, Jesus must have been tired. So he says, Okay, I'll take a nap. You guys keep sailing. Wake me up when you reach there. On their journey, they face this huge storm, and the wind and the waves that's about to sink the boats. So disciples wake Jesus up. And here's what Jesus does not do. He doesn't go up and says, guys, maybe it is the Father's will that we not go to the other side. Whose idea was this? (laughs) He does not do that. He does not stand up there in the middle of the storm and say, Father, it's okay if we all go down to this watery grave. Doesn't do that. What does he do? He rises up and he dominates the situation. He dominates the circumstance. He commands the wind and the waves to stop doing what they're doing. And he looks at his disciples and says, guys, where is your faith? In other words, guys, why don't you handle it? So in the situations of life, you may face closed doors. You may face some storms, some turbulence, some challenges and difficulties. The wrong thing to do is to stand there and say, maybe it is God's will. Jesus didn't do that. What he wants us to do is to learn to rise up with authority like he did and dominate those circumstances, dominate those situations, use our authority here on earth. Amen? Storms will come to every boat that dares to sail. But as a believer, you've got something in you that will empower you to dominate those circumstances and situations. You heard my story, some of you have, and when I was in the United States, I'd gone there to study, and the very first year was very rough, very difficult, and I was very lonely there, and so on, and Things were not going so well. And I found myself towards the end of the first year, I think in the the second year, just kind of going into a state of depression. So how do you know you were depressed? Well, one, I could feel it. And two, I was doing things. My behavior was very, was not, just not the normal me. And I was, I used to sleep 14 hours a day. And that's not normal for me. I normally sleep six hours and then I'm full of energy. But here I was, I sleep 14 hours a day, didn't want to interact with anybody I'd go to college, do my classes, do my work, the lab, come back and sleep. And uh, this, I, I went on for about three months like this. And I was now probably in the fourth month. 
and i knew something was wrong i said i can't live like this it's not right and uh, but i didn't know what the problem was i knew things were very difficult as a student you know coming from a foreign place you don't have much money you have to live in a very tight budget and all these different people and kind of you're trying to adjust the culture and all. I mean I knew all these things around me that I was in a difficult situation externally but I didn't know what's the root cause of why I'm in this state. And I know I remember calling the pastor of the church I used to go to, I said pastor you know just pray for me. I didn't tell him what my problems were. I didn't say anything. I just said pray for me. It's okay, pray. He prayed on the phone and while he was praying I felt a little bit of this heaviness lift. little bit you know and that's what got me thinking maybe what i'm going through is a spiritual thing maybe this whole depression thing that i'm going through that's making me behave like this you know, maybe it has a spiritual root to it yes of course the circumstances around me are not conducive are, are very difficult challenging but maybe the root of it is a spiritual thing and so what i did i took it up from there and i just speak went back to the word of god that taught me went back to the scriptures and that just taught me about my authority and, and and how god has given us authority and the completed work of christ on the cross and i remember it was the 4th of july because it was american independence day and i said i am going to have my independence today so that morning 4th of july i got up i did my prayer as usual then i began to wage as intense of warfare i could ever know against those demon spirits against this heavy depression on my life it was something like doing self deliverance it's not in the bible i know but you just try it out it might work you know it worked for me right so i just took up i said i come against every devil of depression that's weighed me down i come against this weight of depression on me i come against the spirit of laziness because you know sleeping 14 hours i come against this devil of laziness says laziness a devil i don't know but i took every precaution i needed to take you know I said I come against the spirit of laziness and I, I, I just took authority over this as I command these things to leave me now and I renounce and I shut every door that I have opened to it because I'm responsible you know I've opened doors to them so I shut every door to these devils and I expel them out of my mind and my soul and and I I just broke through and I and after that time of engaging in prayer maybe 15 20 minutes that whole thing lifted and I was totally set free amen So this stuff is real. About us learning to have personal victory because we know of our authority in Jesus Christ. I can tell you stories after stories on when when there were circumstances situations in my life but that I did not want it to be the way I wanted it. I learned to rise up and dominate those things. Amen. So you learn to arise with your authority and dominate those circumstances and situations rather than them dictating outcomes in your life. I mean, here's a funny thing. I mean, I remember this was when I was getting ready to go to Malaysia to get married. This was in May 1995. 20th of May was the wedding that was fixed. I was planned to be there 10 days ahead of that. Um so I you know, I had to apply. I was living in the US and apply for visa to go from the United States over to Malaysia for my wedding. It was Thursday and I still had not got my visa. I'm flying out early Monday morning. Thursday, I still haven't got my passport and visa back. Now, ah, that's pretty close because the office closed Friday evening 5:00 and they don't open until Monday morning 9:00. It's too late. I have to get and they were giving some problems the Malaysian embassy there. What did I do? I let me tell you what I did not do. 
what i did not do is i did not say maybe this is a sign from god that i'm not supposed to get married or i'm supposed to not supposed not to get married i didn't do that many well meaning christians would have done that if the passport if the visa comes maybe god is saying yes if it doesn't come maybe god is saying no why are you letting your circumstances dictate your destiny amen but here's what i did i went to my room and i took a thought i said god has given me authority over situations over circumstances over all these structure systems processes what it is whatever is in the world god has given me authority i'm here to dominate so i spoke i said i decree that the malaysian embassy will release my passport will give me the visa when the friday morning they said we can't give you i said no you can't give me so we can't give you you know you will give me i'm here to collect it Four o'clock Friday, one hour before closing, I got my passport with my visa. Amen. So the circumstances of your life, like Jesus, you don't sit down there and take it as though it is the dictates of the will of the God. You rise up, you dominate your circumstance, you dictate your destiny, and you move forward to it. Jesus said, "Let us go to the other side." just because a storm came doesn't mean it was the father's will to change plans no we are going to the other side we will dominate we will dictate to the situations our circumstances so that we will fulfill our destiny in god amen the third reason why we must know of our spiritual authority and learn to walk in it and learn to exercise our spiritual authority is so that we can assist and help other people. See at the end of the day everything that you and I are being equipped with is not just for ourselves. It's not just for you and me, you know, to live a comfortable life. We are here on a mission and the reason you and I are equipped with this understanding and and learn how to walk in our spiritual authority is so that we can be a blessing to other people. There are so many people all around us who are also being tormented, harassed and troubled by the devil and by trapped in various situations and circumstances and God's answer to them is by sending you into their lives. And you walk in to their circumstances, you walk into their situations knowing that you have authority to undo the works of the devil. And you bring them help. You bring them aid. Look at one example, there are many examples in the Bible. If you go to the 13th chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17, Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. Here's an incident from the life of Jesus. It says says here now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Notice this woman was bent over. She had a back condition. She was bent over. She was in this way for 18 years. And what does the Bible say? she had a spirit of infirmity meaning her physical problem the root cause of it was not because she had a car accident the root cause of it was because of a spirit of infirmity a demon a spirit of affliction so many physical conditions and i'm not saying every but many 
Because there are some physical conditions that are just the result of our own action or inaction, the result of you know, other things that happen in life. But, but many of the physical conditions people face is because of a demon spirit. There's a, the Bible talks about a deaf spirit, a dumb spirit, a blind spirit. And here you have a spirit of infirmity, a spirit that is causing this physical problem in her body. And Jesus, when he sees her, he does not tell her, woman, this is the will of God for you. He doesn't do that. When he sees this woman, what does he do? It says in verse 12, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. I'm setting you free from this physical condition that you're having in your body. You are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. Now he's saying, you know, Jesus is running a clinic. You better come Monday to, Friday, Monday to Saturday. Don't come on Sunday. Like he's trying to put all this stuff around this whole thing. The Lord says, verse 15, said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? I mean, don't you feed your donkey on Sunday? Verse 16, so ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, think, think of it for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. So he's saying, look, here's a woman. She's been bound for 18 years and she has a right to be free. She's a daughter of Abraham in covenant with God. And she has a right to be? So why do you and I need to know about our spiritual authority and learn how to walk in it and and exercise our authority so that we can be a blessing to those around us? Amen? When you find people who are troubled, oppressed, disturbed, that you can come into those situations and use your authority to bring relief, to bring, to set them free, to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus said, I give you authority. Every believer, he's given authority. The last reason I want us to look at, number four. Why must we know about our spiritual authority and learn to exercise on it, exercise it and walk in it here and earth? Number four, the fourth reason why we must know of our authority is so that we can bring heaven to earth. That's our responsibility. And when Jesus taught us to pray, what did he tell us? He said, pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You pray, Lord, what's in heaven? Pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to see established on earth what is in heaven. That's our responsibility. Say, pastor, I thought I became a believer just to get to heaven. Sure, you'll get there. But before you get there, he said, you bring heaven here. Amen? It's our responsibility to pray heaven down, to bring heaven here on earth. What's in heaven? Bring it down here on earth. It's an assignment. It's what God has given to us. Now, let's go to Matthew 16. We'll look at this and then close. Matthew 16. Again, very familiar verses for all of us. Matthew 16. We'll read verses 18 and 19. Matthew chapter 16, verses 18 and 19. This is that incident where Peter has had a revelation. And he has spoken 
by revelation and declared, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are Christ, the Son of the living God. In response to that, Jesus says these things in Matthew 16, 18 and 19. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail or will not overpower it. Verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the Lord Jesus says, Peter, on this rock, the rock of revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. On this rock, on this revelation, I will build my church. So Jesus is building his church. And we are part of the church that Jesus is building. Amen. I will build my church, Jesus said. But what about this church? He said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now many of us reading it, we have this picture in our minds. It's like these gates of hell are coming and attacking the church. And they can't prevail over the church. But that's not the right understanding. Gates in the Bible is a terminology that simply represents power centers. In the Old Testament, gates were the place, gates of a city were the place where the leaders or the elders of the city met and they all disputes, all business transactions, uh, all problems were resolved, buying and selling, uh, transferring or title deeds and all that, took place at the gates of the city. So they represent power centers, important places. To Abraham in Genesis 18, God gave a promise, Abraham, your seed will possess the gates of their enemies. So God was not saying that all Jewish people are going to become watchmen. That's, what, that's not what he was saying. They'd stand at the gates, you know. Now, what it means is that Abraham's descendants, you and I are Abraham's descendants. By faith, in Galatians 3, we will possess the gate of the enemy. We will have authority and dominion over our enemies. Power centers. Gates represent power centers. So Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against this church. The church that Jesus built. The second important thing about gates is that we go to the gates. The gates don't come to us. Amen? You know, when you walked into this campus, did you walk to the gate or the gate came to you? Just try to recall what happens. You walked to the gates. And the gates did not prevail against you. They opened. You came in. So what is Jesus saying? I will build my church and the gates, those power centers of hell. The church advances to the power centers and they will not stop an advancing church. Amen. Now what are the power centers? Every place that the devil has taken over. Right here in our city, in your school, in your campus, in your college, in your place of work, in, in, in your neighborhood, wherever the enemy has established a gate, a power center, a place of dominion, where he's influencing, doing his work of darkness. You as a church, you and I as a church should advance there. 
Amen? So the pastor, is it right to go to the pubs? By all means, please do. The reason matters. If you're going there because it's a power center and you want to see the church advance against the gates of hell, go by all means. Amen? The church goes to the gates of hell, these power centers of hell, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail or stop or successfully prevent the church from advancing, is what Jesus is saying. Amen? So what should you and I be doing? If we claim to be part of that church that Jesus is building, then we on purpose must advance to the gates of hell. We must intentionally strategize on how to go against the power centers of darkness that we see in our city and in our nation. We are supposed to go to the gates. Amen? And in order to see that accomplished, he continues the next verse. He says, and I will give you the keys. Keys represent authority. I will give you keys. They give you keys. They represent authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. So I'm vesting the church with authority. So that the church can advance against the gates of darkness and overpower it. Push it down. Take it over. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says, now the English Bible renders it incorrectly. The English Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The Greek is the opposite. And some English Bibles bring it out correctly. And you might see even notes in your margin that correct the translation. The correct translation in verse 19 is simply this. What you bind on earth, what has been bound in heaven. And you lose on earth what has been loosed in heaven. Meaning, what God disallows in heaven, the church has been authorized to disallow here on earth. What God permits in heaven, the church has been authorized To permit here on earth. So that's our assignment. I will build my church. For what purpose? So that they can go against the gates of hell. Overpower it. And bring what's in heaven here on earth. That's why the church exists. Amen. So we as believers must know our spiritual authority. Know how to use these keys. That have been given to us. So we can do this here on earth. Ask some very simple questions. Is there sickness in heaven? What have you been assigned to do? Get rid of it from earth. Amen. Is there poverty in heaven? The streets are paved with gold. So even if you want to, you can't be poor. You and I have been authorized to bring what's in heaven Here on earth. It's very simple. That's our assignment. But in order to do that, we must learn to use the keys that have been given to us. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? So why, as believers, should we know of our spiritual authority and learn how to walk in it, learn how to exercise in it? Just wrap up here. Number one. 
So we can live victorious lives ourselves as believers. Number two, so that we can learn to dominate every demonic opposition and every disruption that comes into our world. We dominate it. Number three, that we can bring assistance and aid to others who are struggling. And number four, that we fulfill our assignment, which is to bring heaven here on earth. Amen. That's why we must learn how to walk in our spiritual authority and learn to walk in it and exercise it. Use the authority God has given to you and me. Amen. As you're standing here this morning, I want you to take a few moments just to pray and say, God, I don't want to be a passive believer, just letting things happen in my life and then say, okay, you know, God has done it. Blame God for what the devil does or But I want to stand up. I want to rise up with the authority you've given me. And I want to walk in it. I want to prevail over things in my personal life. I want to prevail over things that are hindering. Whatever it might be. Your career, your job, your vocation, whatever. Pray. And say, God, I want to walk in my authority over these things. I want to prevail over every obstruction, over every every hindrance that comes my way. Would you also pray and say, God, now I want to be a blessing to other people. I want to go and help those people around me, maybe in my school, my college, my place of work. People whom I know are struggling, God. I want to step into their worlds and undo the works of darkness in their lives and Help them experience the power of the kingdom of God. Would you take a moment to pray, please? Jesus said, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, the power centers of hell, will not stop my church. Because I've given them the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I've authorized them. I've empowered them. That what I allow in heaven, they will allow on earth. What I prohibit in heaven, they will stop. Prohibit here on earth. We're part of that church. That's our assignment in our city and in our nation. Father, this morning, I pray you will empower, encourage, stir up every child of God in this place. Stir us up with boldness, with confidence, Lord, to go out there and to triumph over every work of darkness. Whether it's in our own personal lives or whether in the lives of people around us, help us to destroy the works of the devil. To bring relief and bring help to those who are hurting and suffering around us. Use us, Lord, to advance against the powers of darkness in our own city, in our own nation, God. So we can see what is in heaven established here on earth. Use each one, O God. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Before we close, I want to just give an invitation to anyone who's, who's with us here. If you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, 
It's so important that you do. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You belong to either the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, or the kingdom of darkness. You belong to the kingdom of Jesus or the kingdom of the devil. There's no in-between grounds. And if you've not been born again, you need to. Because unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Is anyone here you've never received Jesus into your heart? You never said, Jesus, I want to be born from above. I want to be born again. I want to help you. Just pray a simple prayer right now. It will help you be born again. Help you receive Jesus into your life. And transfer from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Very simple prayer. Could you just bow our heads in prayer, please? And if there's anyone here, you want to do that this morning and say, yes, I want to be born again. I want to come out of darkness. I want to come into light. I want to come into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I've never done this before, but I want to do it now. If there's anyone here, could you please pray this prayer with me? Just say this with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. And make me a child of God. I believe you died for me. That you rose up again. And that you're alive today. From this day, Lord, help me to follow you and you alone for the rest of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's close in prayer. Amen. Man, arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, yet the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.